if Christ can live through you unhindered, your life would be absolutely extraordinary. But for Christ to live through you unhindered, you're going to have to function in the righteousness of God, oneness with him. Amen. Now, the word, the message today, I'm titling it, Your Word Can Deliver You. Your word, your mouth, sorry, your mouth can deliver you. Your mouth can deliver you. And I'm taking it um, from Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 6 as our text, where it says, the words of the wicked are, they lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Who is the upright? The upright is the righteousness of God. The mouth of the righteous will deliver them. Now, you know, sometimes we read the Old Testament and, and, um, and we can read it with a legalistic mindset. But I encourage you, as you read the Old Testament, read it with a new covenant mindset. When you read about the upright and you read about the righteous in the Old Testament, don't just think about the person who is good and, and does everything right and his behavior and conduct, but rather see it in the context of the righteousness of God. Amen? So the mouth of the righteous will deliver him. Now, in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it also says, with the heart man believes unto that righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, you can believe and come into this place of being the righteousness of God in Christ because Jesus became sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So with your heart, you believe unto that righteousness. You believe unto that place. But now that you're there, with your mouth, confession or declaration and decrees will be made unto salvation. Now, salvation is wholeness. It is deliverance. It is freedom. It is, it, it, it is healing. It is divine protection. It is prosperity. So with your mouth, you can decree and declare and confess unto wholeness, preservation, and all of that. So, so here is the subject. Here is the, the message. Your mouth can deliver you. Deliver you. What does the word deliver mean? It means to save. It means to rescue. It means to set someone free from. Your mouth can deliver you and set you free from sickness, from disease, Poverty, lack, it, your mouth can set you free from oppression, from torment, from fear, from curses. You, it, your mouth can set you free from your past. It can set you free from human limitations, your, your race or gender or background. And, and Your mouth can set you free from yourself. With your mouth, confession is made unto salvation as it is spoken from that place of the righteousness of God in Christ. Your mouth can set you free indeed. Amen. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm going to turn to it. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me just read a few verses here. Reading from verse 11. 
This commandment which I command you today, it is not too mysterious for you. It is, it is not far off. The Amplified says, um, it is not too difficult for you. This word, this, even this message, is not too difficult for you. It is not far off. It's not out of reach. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we would hear it and do it. It is not beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But this word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. When the word of God gets into your mouth and it gets into your heart, you'll be able to do it. And when you do the word, the word produces. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Joshua said, it says in Joshua 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you might observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then you will make your way prosperous, and you are going to have success. So this word is not afar off. This word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. And then verse 15, see, I've said before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. For if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and you draw away and you worship other gods and you serve them, I, in other words, if your heart departs away, from the Lord, and instead of him having lordship, someone else does, including self. I announce to you today that you will surely perish, and you shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and to possess it. Now here is this verse, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you. In other words, God says, I have told you this. Heaven and earth witnesses it. That... I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, and he tells you what to do, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That is so awesome. The promises of God are not only for you, but is also for your descendants. The promises of God and the covenant that God has with you, it doesn't only cover you, but it covers even your descendants, your seed after you. But he says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. It says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. In other words, use your tongue to speak life. Choose life. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. This whole passage here in Deuteronomy is saying that your victory, your freedom, your prosperity, the promises of God, all those things that are forever settled in heaven, they are within your grasp. It is not too difficult. It's not afar off. It is within reach. Say it's within reach. Amen. Now, The issue, however, is your mouth. 
Your mouth can deliver you. Your mouth can cause you to prosper. Your mouth can bring you healing and all the freedoms that are available to us in Christ. However, your mouth must be the mouth of the righteous. Your mouth must be the mouth that is operating in that oneness with God. Your mouth must be as the oracle of God. You got to speak in line with God. Your mouth must be the mouth of the righteous. Your mouth cannot be that of a fool. You know, it says, in, um, it says a, a, a fool says in his heart, in his heart, he says no to God. He disagrees with God. He, 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 and, and because of that, he is snared by the words of his mouth. His words will trap him. Proverbs 18, 20 says that a man, that you shall eat the fruit of your mouth. The fool eats the fruit of his mouth and is satisfied with those wrong things that he is saying. In Numbers 14, verse 28, when the children of Israel were complaining and murmuring and say, why did you bring us out here to destroy us in this wilderness, etc., etc.? And God said to them in, Proverbs, in Numbers 14, verse 28, that even as you have spoken in my ear, that's exactly what's going to happen. Let me just, let me read that verse of scripture to you. Numbers, you see, we got to understand that these, this is how these things work and make sure that we are on the right side of the word, that we are on the right side of faith. Proverbs, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 28. Come on, pages. We're sticking together here. God, God said to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. Well, it is not so much that God will do it to them as much as what you say you're going to have. God says this is how the law of faith works. If you don't, boy, you're going to eat the fruit of your lips. Your life and your, 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 your stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of your lips. What am I saying? What I am saying is that you want to have deliverance. You want to have the freedom. You want to have the prosperity. You want to have the wholeness. It lies in the mouth. The mouth of the righteous will deliver him. Your mouth must be the mouth of the righteous. Now, let me just give you a quick understanding of the righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, Jesus became sin for us. Why? That you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, there are four comprehensions of righteousness. Basically, number one, that you are one with God, and that's the major one. Number two, that you are to operate in, you have the authority of God that is found in, that is embodied in the name of Jesus. Number three is that you have, you have rights and privileges as the son of God. And then number four is the fact that you are in right standing with God as if sin has never been. So let's walk through that. These four comprehensions of righteousness, first and foremost, is this issue of oneness with God. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Not two, is one spirit. In, in um, Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23, it speaks about the, Jesus is the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fill it all in all. The church is his body. Jesus is the head, the church is his body, the head and the body are one. Your head and your body are one. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. John 15, verse 5. 
Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches are hooked up to the vine. The, 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 the branches are hooked up to the vine, and the same sap that is in the vine is in the branch. The same life that is flowing in the vine is flowing in the branch. The branch may bear the fruits. You are the fruit-bearing part of this, of, this, of this arrangement. Amen? But you are one with God. The vine and the branch are one. Hebrews 2 verse 11, Jesus, it says, He that sanctifieth, which is Jesus, and they which are sanctified, which is us, are all one. And he's not ashamed to call them brethren. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. Why? Because we are one. And this is the first and primary um, comprehension of righteousness. Jesus prayed in John 17, 21, Father, the, um, the glory you have given me, I've given them. That they might be one, that they might be one. How? Even as you and I are one. Even as the Father and Jesus were one, so Jesus prays that we would be one even as they are one. So much so that it says in 1 John 4, 17, that when you are born again and you are a child of God, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. There is this reality of this oneness. Christ living in you and through you. Galatians 2 verse 20 and 21 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then it says, this righteousness, in other words, it's no longer you, but Christ that liveth in you. This righteousness didn't come by the law. It didn't come based on your, on your good works. But it came, or if it did, then Christ died in vain. This righteousness, this oneness that you have came because of Jesus' sacrifice. What am I saying? The very essence of Galatians 2.20, it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you, is the reality and the truth about this oneness. You are one with God in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's the, that's the reality of righteousness. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 31, and he said to the Jews, I and the Father are one. And then guess what happened? The Jews took up stones to stone him. Why? Because he says, I and the Father are one. Here is my point. When you begin to function in this oneness and you begin to talk in this manner that you and Father, you and God are one, God is living on the inside of you, not everybody is going to get excited about it. In fact, it can cause some persecution when you begin to talk like that, just like it was for Jesus. And in fact, you know, it's very interesting. There is a familiar, because you see, people are familiar with you. I mean, you might be the person that fixed their toilet a little while ago. You are the person that grew up next door. You are the person that, and, and because of that familiarity, they have difficulty seeing and receiving you as a son of God, recognizing you as the righteousness of God. But you must not be intimidated by that. You've got to function in this oneness. You know, it's interesting, I find in my own experience, you can be, and if you talk to many pastors and ministers, they'll tell you the same thing, that in their own home church, the anointing doesn't function in quite the same way as it is when they go out. When they go somewhere else, that anointing will kick in and it will operate at a higher, more proficient, effective manner. Why? Because they're in an environment where the people are not familiar. Isn't that interesting? Think about, think about, about Joseph, for instance. 
Joseph among his brothers, I mean, hey, there wasn't much anointing operating. He was having dreams and visions, but they were trying to kill him. But guess what? When he was planted into Egypt, that is when the anointing kicked in, did it not? What am I saying? I am saying that there is a oneness that we have with God in Christ, but we must not allow any forces that come against us to pull you out of that reality. You are one with God in Christ. Now, that being the case, the devil, this is a tremendous threat to the enemy. Because of that, his primary attack against you and against the church is to stop and steal the revelation of righteousness. Remember when the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness? What was he saying to him? If you be the son of God, if you be the son of God, turn this bread into, turn this stone into bread. If you be the son of God, cast yourself. If you, why, what was he challenging? He was challenging that very righteousness. He was trying to get Jesus to separate himself from that reality. And it's the same thing for us. It says in 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has for you, that we might be called the sons of God. And then it says the world doesn't recognize you, even as the world didn't recognize Jesus either. But right now, we are the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. So the enemy wants to steal the revelation of righteousness from you, because if you function in that reality, then you will also function in an authority that will be his demise. Amen? He wants, to, he wants, to, wants you to function in a sin separation mindset with God. A sin consciousness, a separation consciousness. You know, we sing song, songs like in Psalms, 5, from Psalms 51. It sounds very religious. It sounds very humble. But it is not righteousness. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Now you examine that. Cast me not away from your presence. We live in his presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. This whole, the word of God says his spirit will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. We have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even though we don't see him yet, we believe. And renew a right spirit within me. When you are born again, it says that this new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. And by that one sacrifice, Hebrews 10 verse 14, he has been perfected forever. So what am I saying? Even though that song, cast me not away from thy presence, oh Lord, it might sound humble. But, that, that, but that's not the spirit of Christ. That is not the spirit of the new covenant. That is not the spirit of righteousness. And the enemy wants to steal that revelation from you. Because you sing that song long enough, right? You know, pass me not, you know, don't, don't pass by me, Jesus. You sing that long enough, you're going to find yourself talking uh, and, and praying and asking God to go with you rather than acknowledging that he's with you and he never leaves you nor forsake you. And before you know it, you're not functioning in righteousness, but you're functioning in some kind of separation. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith that you might lay a hold on eternal life. Fight this fight of faith so that you might lay a hold of this life of Christ that is in you. And the verse before that says pursue righteousness. What is the point? The point is this fight 
of faith that you are in is a fight to stay in the consciousness of being righteous and the consciousness of the oneness that you have with God in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Your faith is counted for righteousness. In other words, and that's in Romans 4, verse 5, and a couple other places. In other words, then, when you are able to function in this oneness of God with Christ by faith, then faith is counted for righteousness, meaning when you are in faith, you've got a right to act like God, to talk like God, to think like God, to believe like God, to operate in the faith of Christ. This stuff is important. And you see, it is from this place that you are to speak. When the righteous, when it is the mouth of that person functioning from there, it is that mouth, those words coming from that place that will bring deliverance, that will bring healing, that will bring prosperity, that will bring the freedoms of God that Jesus has paid for, for you to have. Now, this is the absolutely most important important comprehension of righteousness that I and Jesus are one. I and Jesus are one. Christ is my life. The name of Jesus belongs to me. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. You know, I was contemplating on this verse, Romans chapter 8 verse 10, where it says your spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, your spirit has the life of God because of the oneness that you have with God in Christ. And I was thinking, suppose you put a blank in there, and you said your spirit is blank because of righteousness. What can you put into that blank? You can put into that blank that your spirit is pregnant with divine healing and health because of righteousness, the oneness with God. You could say your spirit is full of strength, and you are strong in the Lord because of that righteousness. You can say that you have abundance of grace because your spirit is hooked up with, because of righteousness. You can say the love of God is in my spirit because of righteousness. And of course, each of those things are true. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. You are holy. You are righteous. Your spirit is, 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 is life. is all that God is because of that union. What am I emphasizing? The reality of this comprehension of the oneness that you have with God in Christ, which is the absolute foundation of the revelation of righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, your mouth must speak from that place of righteousness. But you got to stay in this place of righteousness. And the enemy and religion don't want you to stay there. And quite frankly, the way you've been brought up in the world with a sin consciousness don't want you to stay there. Because you see, we grow up in an environment that says, um, you know, if you do good, you're going to get good. Do bad, you get bad. We grew up in an environment where the, um, the, the person who works the hardest is the one that is the most successful. The person who is, who is, who is greatest in stature, is gonna, the fastest one will win. And we have this, this merit system. But in the kingdom of God, when you are born again, it is of faith that it might be by grace. For Romans 4 verse 16. And grace is unmerited and undeserved favor of God. Favor. The favor, I mean, help that you don't deserve just because, oh, I just want to help you. That's favor. I don't know why, but there is just something I need to help you. I need to do this or that for you. That's grace. But you got to stay in righteousness, and you got to be free from self-righteousness. Let me paint this picture for you for a moment. I call it the fig leaf syndrome. 
Remember when Adam fell, what did he do? He went and he got some fig leaves, right? And he covered himself, and he covered himself, you know, hiding from God and so on and so forth. Later on, we know God is going to go and kill an animal and cover them with, with, with skins that obviously had blood in it because that fig leaf covering is, was not acceptable. The fig leaf syndrome is trusting your own goodness and your own keeping of the law, trusting your own achievements and your own ability and your own merits, your own education, and so on and so forth. Paul said in, in, in Philippians, Chapter 3, let me just read that for a moment. Because we, you see, when, you know, while I'm turning there to Philippians chapter 3, I'm reminded of Romans chapter uh, 10, I believe it is, right? Where it says in verse 3, that being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they go about trying to, 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 to develop their own righteousness. Being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they, they go about pursuing their own righteousness. Not recognizing that Jesus Christ himself is the end of the law for righteousness. You get a hold of Jesus and you don't need to have your own righteousness. You don't have to be self-righteous. Righteousness is a gift from God that is yours when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, and Paul was a very accomplished individual. Paul had... had, had um, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was well-learned. He was educated. He accomplished several things. But listen to what he says in verse 7. He says, those things that were gained to me, I count them all but lost for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them all as rubbish, as dung, so that I might gain Christ. Paul is saying, I, I am not looking to anything that I have done, anything that I have accomplished, any of my own goodness, any of my own qualifications, none of that. I am not trusting in any of that. In fact, in my eyes, all of it is like rubbish, and all of it is like dung. And then he goes on to say why he has this perspective. Verse 9, so that he might be found in Christ, not having his own self-righteousness, but having the righteousness which is of God by faith. What am I saying? I am saying you cannot function in the righteousness of God if you're hanging on to your own self-righteousness. You know, it says in, it says in um, uh, where is it? It says in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5 that the fear, of, it says that, that, that they that will trust in the arm of flesh when you trust in the arm of flesh, when you trust in your own self-righteousness and your heart departs from God, you are cursed. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, they that trust, that they, to trust in, in man, to put your confidence in man, to put your confidence in human ability and so on and so forth, that's a snare, it's a trap. Amen? You know, again, let me just work this self-righteousness stuff just a little bit more. This victory mindset. You know, it says in um, Psalms 84 verse 11, a scripture that I love. It says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold. Now, you know, I used to think of that as well. If I walk uprightly, if I do everything right, if I, you know, if I hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord my God and I obey all his word and I keep all his commandments, there, there's going to be no good thing that he will withhold from me. But to start with, there's no one that can walk that perfect before God. 
But that's not what it means. But if it meant that, it would mean that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That verse of scripture would be a verse that is embalmed in self-righteousness. But that's not what it means, thank God. I remember it says in, in, in um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, when Peter was being hypocritical because the, the Jews, the other brethren had come down from Jerusalem and he was there hanging out with, uh, um, with, 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 the, with the Gentiles and he was eating with them and fellowshipping with them. But when his brethren came down from Jerusalem, he began to back off and he began to, you know, um, withdraw. And Paul stood up and Paul rebuked him. And Paul said, he, Paul more or less said, and I'm paraphrasing, Peter, you're being a hypocrite. And then he went on to say in verse 14, because you're not walking upright in the gospel. In other words then, to walk upright is to walk upright in the gospel. It is to walk worthy. It is to work, walk in harmony with the truth of the fact that Christ is in you. It is to walk in harmony with the reality of the fact that you've been crucified and it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. To walk upright in the gospel is to walk in righteousness. Philippians 1.27 says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Let your conversation, the way you speak, the way you conduct yourself, the, your attitudes, your, 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 your walk, let it be consistent with what? The gospel. Hallelujah. So this self-righteousness stuff is a problem, and I call it a fig tree. Now remember, in Mark chapter 11, 23, Jesus said, whoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he say shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. Jesus was saying that you can have whatever you say, providing you go ahead and say it and believe that what you say will come to pass and don't doubt in your heart. Wonderful. Awesome. But there is a condition there. He says, have the God kind of faith, and he explained that. But before that happened, what was the scenario? Jesus had come to this fig tree expecting to find fruits, and there was no fruit there. And so Jesus cursed, Jesus cursed, Jesus cursed the fig tree. And he says, no man eat fruit from you hereafter forever. Later on, when they came back, the disciples saw Jesus. Wow, look, look at this fig tree. It's withered from the roots. It's dying. And Jesus says, come on, why, 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 are you so, why are you so spaced out? Why, why are you so marveling? Do you not understand that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says? What was Jesus teaching here? Jesus was saying this, and I'm going to put it this way. Jesus was saying, you cannot function in the faith of God. You cannot function in, the, in, 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 in speaking to the mountain and having it removed. You cannot function in that faith of God until you first and foremost, you must curse the victory. You must get rid of every self-righteousness. You cannot have what you say. You can have what you say, but you must speak from the righteousness of God and you must first curse the victory. Get rid of any trust in your own goodness and any trust in your own ability. Amen? And speak from God. That's what James 5.16 was saying. Remember James 5.16? And I'm going to turn over there where it says um, the, the, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. 
Now, we're still talking about what? The first comprehension, functioning from righteousness. James chapter 5, verse 16. Glory to God, hallelujah. Confess your trespasses, your faults one to another, pray one for another, that you might be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Who? The effectual, fervent prayer of a man that is functioning in this righteousness. His prayer avails much. His prayer makes much power available that is dynamic in its working. Amen? His prayer. Now, I want you to see a couple of things here. Because this is, this is referring to Elijah and his experience. Let me back it up and read it from verse five, 15. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Confess your trespasses, your faults, your shortcomings, your infirmities, your weaknesses, one to another. It was not saying that I need to come and uh, you need to, we need to confess all of our sins to one another. No, and that's not what it's saying. But recognize there are some shortcomings. Recognize there are some faults and there are some, it's a, there are some um, 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 weaknesses. Want another that you might be healed. But then, and then in the same context, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then he goes on further. He says, look here, Elijah was a man just like us, having weaknesses, having infirmities, both in him and around him. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And then afterwards he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, um, listen up here. Now, I think this is so wonderful. They talked about Elijah praying that it wouldn't rain. How could, they, I mean, where did he get that idea from? Here is what happened. First of all, and Elijah was like us. He had infirmities. He had weaknesses. He was living in an environment with, an ungod with ungodly kings. You might be in a hostile environment. You might be in a work environment. Whatever. You might have your own little attitudes that are not too hot. You might have your own weaknesses. But in spite of all of that, he was still able to operate. And God could say, this man prayed from a place of righteousness. And his prayer availed much. Here is my point. My point is you don't have to be perfect. You can have infirmities and weaknesses. Confess your faults. Recognize these shortcomings. Just like Elijah did in the environment, in you and around you. But nevertheless, you can still function in the righteousness of God. You can still function from that place of oneness. It says, referring to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. This is what, here, listen to Elijah speaking. As the Lord God Almighty lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain for three years except at my word. Wow. Listen to that. How could he talk like that? Because he was functioning from this place of righteousness. Which leads me to the very next point. The issue of righteousness is speaking with authority. Has to do, the comprehension has to do with speaking from authority. You could, be, you could say the same thing like Elijah. Why? Because Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. It is speaking from a place. The second comprehension is speaking with a voice of authority. The authority of God. The name of Jesus. 
The Bible says that we are kings and priests unto God. Revelations 1 verse 6 and Revelations 5 verse 10. You are a king. Jesus is the king of kings, but you are a king. What does that mean? Because you're a king, kings have dominion. Kings have authority. Kings, 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 kings decree. Now listen to this verse. Ecclesiastics 8 verse 4 says where the word of a king is, there is what? There is power. There is power. Your words, where do you, when you're functioning in that kingship, when you're functioning in that righteousness, your words have power. Because you see, and then therefore, hence, that is why Job 22, 28 says, you shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. You shall decree it. And it's going to cause light to shine upon your pathways, which is to say you're, that your speaking is going to order your steps. I'll come back to that. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. Psalms 2 verse 7 says, you are God's son. And you are to declare whatever God has decreed. You have this authority. You are a king. Remember, when Jesus ascended up in heaven, Ephesians 2 verse 6, it says that you were made alive together with him and made to sit together with him where? In heavenly places. Where is that? Far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named. In other words, then, you are seated at the Father's right hand in his throne room. What am I saying? The authority of the throne of God is behind your words. You are to speak from the throne. That is where you will live. That is where you have residence. That's where you have citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. You have authority. Say, I've got authority. You are seated in Christ. You are a king. Jesus says, behold, I give unto you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That includes sickness, disease, poverty, lack. You have authority. Jesus gave you that authority. He said, all power, both in heaven and earth, is mine. I've got the keys of hell and death. And he says, behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. I give unto you my name. Whatever you shall bind in my name, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these. What am I saying? You have authority, and it's wrapped up in the name of Jesus. But now hear this. This authority that you have, you have authority because you're under authority. You have authority because you're under authority. What am I talking about? Well, let, let's turn quickly to, to Matthew chapter 8. This centurion had come to Jesus in verse 5. And when Jesus had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented, which means severely sick and tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'm going to come and heal him. But listen to the centurion. He answered and he says, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but you just speak the word. You only speak a word and my servant will be healed because I also, I'm a man under authority and I've got soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard it, he answered and said to those who followed him, surely, Oh, I, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say unto you, 
etc., etc. And of course, it goes on to say in verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you, as you have believed, so let it be done. And his servant was healed that same hour. What is the point? This centurion understands, he says, look, I have authority. I'm under authority. I have people under authority, and my authority is what I'm lending to them. So you have authority because you're under Jesus' authority. A policeman has authority to stop traffic, not because he has the physical power to do it, but because he's under the authority of the state or, 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 or the government or whatever the case is. Say, I've got authority. Now, here's the thing. Let me show you this for a moment. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, where, where Paul says, look, God has called me. God has given me understanding concerning this mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he says, I have been sent on an assignment, and my assignment is this. My assignment is to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery. I am to get people to understand and to get a hold of the reality of this revelation of Christ in them, the hope of glory. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, so that unto the principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God might be revealed to the principalities and powers through the church. What is the whole point? The point is this. Paul is saying by the spirit of God that here is the purpose. Here is this. Here was what he was supposed to accomplish in his ministry. The purpose of God was for Christ to be revealed in you so that Christ could be manifested through you to the principalities and powers and destroy the works of darkness. Christ is in you for that purpose. God wants you to get a hold of this revelation of righteousness that God, that he is on the inside of you so that he can flow through you and destroy the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. Now, this, 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 this authority that you have is released as you speak words, as you speak words in harmony with heaven, as you speak words according to what is finished. Psalms 119.89 says, the, the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, let your conversation be as it, let your conversation um, be according as it is in heaven. <laughs> right, go read the scripture, <laughs> Right? We look on to, okay, I'm going to read it. All right. Slow down. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. Let me, let me do it right. Verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we are also eagerly waiting for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation is in heaven. Where we are looking for the Savior. In other words, then, our conversation, the way we think, the way we speak, is according to how it is in heaven. It is according to the purposes of God. The purposes of God, it says in Ephesians 1, verse 11, that we've obtained an inheritance, and it is according to his good pleasure, according to his own purpose. So we are to speak, but according to the word, according to what is finished, according to the fact that Jesus bore my sicknesses, carried my infirmities. Psalms 17 and verse 3 says, by the words of your lips, I've taken the words of God's lips, put it in my mouth, and when I do that, I am able to keep myself out of the pathway of the destroyer that is the devil. Amen? Excuse me. Amen. So you, we put the word of God in our mouth, and when we speak the word of God, that's how we release this kingly authority that we have. You know, we have, uh, we've, we've been called to preach to the devil. 
Do you know that? When he said to reveal his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers, it is saying that when you get a hold of truth, you get a hold of revelation knowledge, you get a hold of the power of the blood, tell the devil about it. Let him know you've overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Let him know that you've got authority over him. Amen? All right. Now, the word of God in your mouth is powerful. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, the word of God, it never returns void, but it always accomplishes that which God pleased, and it prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. Jeremiah 5 verse 14 and Jeremiah 23, 29 says, the word of God is, is, is like a hammer. It's like a fire. God says, I'm going to make my word coming out of your mouth like fire. I'm going to make it like a hammer that will break the rocks in pieces. Your mouth, your mouth is God's sharp, um, shaft, so to speak. It's like his, it, is like his, it is like his rod of, of um, Isaiah 49, I believe it is, in verse, verse 2. Glory to God. What am I, I'm trying to get you to capture, first of all, that when you, that you, when you speak with a mouth of righteousness, there is deliverance, there is healing, there is wholeness, but you must speak from righteousness. And to speak from righteousness, you must speak from the oneness with God. And you must speak with authority. And, you must, and your, that authority is released with words. What words? The words of God. Hallelujah. The words that are sharper than any two-edged sword. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 2 says, He has made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand, he had hidden me, and he had made me a polished shaft. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The word of God in your mouth. God says, I'm going to watch over my word to perform it when you speak it. In another place, God says, I am in Isaiah 44 and verse 20, 26, God says, I will perform the words of my servant. So when you speak the word of God from that place of righteousness, God is backing you up. Angels are released. Psalms 103 verse 20 says, they hearken to the voice of this word. The angels, they excel in strength. And they hearken, they listen, and they move when the word of God gets a voice coming out of your mouth. Glory to God. The kingdom of God is activated and released when you speak words of righteousness. Hebrews 1 verse 8 said the kingdom of God, the, the scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. Hallelujah. Why is the word of God so powerful? Because it's what, it's what upholds all things. Hebrews 1 verse 3. And it's alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Everything is naked before it. Everything is like a stretched out neck that the word of God has the power to decapitate and take and, and, and render it null and void. That's the reason why when you speak and you declare the word of God from righteousness, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you'll condemn it. The devil don't want you operating in that authority. He don't want you operating in righteousness. He don't want you speaking his word. He wants you to speak, he wants you to talk wrong. He wants you to speak your fear. He wants you to speak the circumstances. But, uh, but don't you do that. Proverbs 6 verse 2 says that um, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Malachi 3 verse 13, God says, look, don't let your words be stout against me. Many times people say, oh, I give, I tithe, I do this, I, but it's not working for me. Don't say that. 
Why do, why do bad things happen? With, why do this happen and this happen? And I mean, if, if God is, and we, we say a whole lot of things at times that are contrary. You know, you see, we've got to be careful not to be speaking the circumstances, amen? Because this, you speak the circumstances, it wouldn't be, quite often you're not going to be operating in faith. Let me tell you what I mean. You know, there was a great man of God that made this statement. He says, people are defeated by their circumstances. And if you can, but if you can get them, if you can get them, if you can bring them to the place where the voice of the circumstances, the, of their circumstances is silenced, you can get them to victory. You see, Jesus said you can have whatever you say. But what happened is, People end up saying what they have. They speak their lack. They speak their sickness. They speak their, 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 their confusion. They speak their inferiority. They speak their fear. And, and, and instead of speaking what is settled in heaven, instead of speaking the word of God, instead of putting victory and life in their mouth, and as a result of that, they're not doing anything to change what they do have. And what they have, if it's cursed, remains and perpetuates. So you see, the devil wants you to operate in that arena, but you are not to do that. Amen? Now, a third company, so that is, you know, Job, who had spoken wrong, said something marvelous in Job 6, verse 20, 24. Job said, in Job chapter 6, and verse 24, glory to God. New Bible, pages tend to stick together. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. Job said, because of the, the experiences of oppression that he was experiencing, he recognized that, wait a minute, I am the one who's missing it. Lord, show me where I've erred. Show me where I have missed it. And teach me to hold my tongue. In another place it says, set a watch over my mouth and keep the door of my lips, that I might, that I might not speak contrary to the word of God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Now, a third comprehension of righteousness is, that, is, is the fact that you've got rights. You're a son of God. You're a joint heir with Christ. You've got rights. You have covenant rights. Because of the blood, everything that Jesus paid for belongs to you. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And by these promises you are able to partake of the divine nature and the provision of God and escape the corruption, the lack, and the decay that is in this world. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. And then a fourth comprehension of righteousness is right standing. Right standing with God. Being right with God even as God is right with himself. Standing in the presence of God as if sin has never been. Which means what? There is no condemnation, no guilt, no shame, no insecurity, no inferiority. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, that walk after the Spirit and not according to the flesh, that walk after the Spirit, recognizing who they are in Christ. Romans chapter 4 verse, verse, um, verse 25, blessed be the name of the Lord, hallelujah, says, who has delivered us? Christ has delivered us because of our because of our offenses, and has raised us because of our justification. The Amplified. 
He was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds. But he was raised to secure our justification, to secure our acquittal, making our account balanced and absolving us from all guilt before God. So by the blood and the sacrifice of Christ, because of his substitutionary work, you are in the presence of God, holy, without blame, without condemnation, without guilt, without shame. But you see, you got to know that. You got to believe that so that when the accusations come from the enemy, when condemnation and judgments come from people, you've got to know that you are justified. And you've got to be able to say, that by the blood, by his sacrifice, I'm justified. Who is he that condemned it? It is God that has justified me. You've got to be able to say to the enemy, you've got to be able to know that the accuser has been cast down, Revelation 12, verse 10, and that you've overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. You've got to know that according to Hebrews 8, verse 12, that God says your sins and iniquities, he will remember no more. Amen? Now, it really does come down to you speaking right. Speaking from your righteousness. The mouth of the righteous shall deliver him. Speaking right, Proverbs 15 verse 28 says, the, the mind of the righteous studies how to answer. So you got to study. You got to know what the word of God says. You got to know what is finished. You got to be quick to hear and slow to speak so that you don't talk wrong. And when you do speak, speak with authority, do it intentionally, and speak from your righteousness. Proverbs 10.32 says, the lips of the righteous knows what is acceptable. Here is what happened when you speak wrong. Here is what happened. The word of God says in Ephesians 4.27, don't give any place to the enemy. And in verse 29, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. When you talk wrong, you, you are lending your authority and your ability and your words to the devil and you're giving him place. Don't do that. Proverbs 15 verse 9 says, the Lord loves him that follows after righteousness. Because, why does God love those that follow after righteousness? You know why? Because God gets great pleasure to do good in your life. It gives him pleasure to bless you. It gives him, it says, it says God is sometimes, we can be, the spirit of God can be grieved. Why? When he is denied that opportunity to do good. To express himself. But when you are walking in righteousness, it gives God that opportunity to bless you and to prosper you, and so it pleases him. It says it gives him great pleasure when he sees his children walking in truth. Now, just as we wrap this up, let's get this clear. When you speak, and you speak from righteousness, and you speak the word of God, your voice will literally rule your next step. Your voice will make all the difference. Hallelujah. Your voice will rule your next step. You see, when you function in righteousness and you speak from righteousness, it will plant you in the footsteps of the Lord. Psalms 85 verse 13. Psalms 23 verse 3 says, He leads you in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Righteousness will plant you in the pathways of freedom, of prosperity. It says he surrounds the righteous with favors with a shield. Proverbs 10, verse 24 says, the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Proverbs 10, 6 says, the blessings are on the head of the just. But the poor, on the other hand, 
if you study Proverbs 10, 15 and Proverbs 18, 17, here is the conclusion of those verses. It says then that, that the, the, the destruction of the poor is his mouth and poverty is his destruction. Prosperity and increase is in your mouth. Say what the word of God says. Say what is finished in heaven. Righteousness will plant you in the pathway of divine health. 1 Peter 2.24 says, being dead to sin, you live on to righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Proverbs 12 verse 28 says, in the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway there is no death. In the pathway of righteousness, righteousness delivers from death. In that pathway there is an there is an uh, 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 immortality and a perpetual eternal life. Your spirit is life, healing, health, wholeness because of righteousness. Romans 8 verse 10 and 11. The same spirit of raised of Christ and the dead will quicken your mortal body. 2 Timothy 1 verse 10. That when Christ in you, when he appears, when he is unveiled, he brings life and immortality to light through the gospel. Life and immunity to death comes as Christ in you is revealed. The revelation of the gospel. So this pathway of righteousness leads you into all kinds of freedom and all kinds of liberty. Isaiah 54 verse 14 says, as you are established in righteousness, you're going to be far from oppression because you shall not fear. What is the conclusion? Here is the conclusion. If you can recognize that you are the righteousness of God and awake to that righteousness and bind yourself, bind yourself and bind your mouth to speak as the righteous, Speaking only the truth, speaking only the word, letting your mouth, letting your letting yourself become an oracle of God, what will happen? You're gonna have breakthrough after breakthrough, and you're gonna live in triumph. And all that, and, and I'm and, and you you're just you're just gonna live an extraordinary life, and you're gonna have an awesome year. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He will cause you to triumph. There is no situation, every situation, no matter what it is, there is always the word of God that you can put in your mouth and change that situation. There is always the word of God that has victory, that has triumph, that you can declare. So right now, according to Romans 10 verse 10, with a heart you believe unto righteousness. How can you get there? You just believe Jesus I believe you've been raised up from the dead and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And the moment you do that, you get born again and you become the righteousness of God. Then what do you do? And from that place of righteousness, Romans 10 verse 10, you can make confession unto salvation. You can declare and decree your deliverances, your freedom, your prosperity, and your divine protection. So Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, everyone that is underneath the sound of my voice right now, I just declare the word of breakthrough in their lives in Jesus' name. I speak for prosperity. I declare increase in their life. I declare the blessing that you daily load them with benefits. That you are, that your divine healing power is flowing in every joint, in every, in every part of their being. And I 
I rebuke sicknesses and disease, and I declare that they have the tongue of the learned so that they know how to speak a word in season. They know how to choose words that are from heaven, words that are from you, words that are based on the blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has finished. And they are able to speak those words with confidence and with the boldness that you have given unto them, Lord God. For they are the righteousness of God, and their righteous are as bold as a lion. They've got boldness and access with confidence to you, to the enemy, and to every environment. They are able to rule because of the faith of Christ and this gift of righteousness and your word in their mouth bringing deliverance in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we give you praise, glory, thanksgiving, and honor.